are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Giants. Everybody in the room at some point in their life faces giants. And so you may say, when you say giants, exactly what do you mean by that? I'm talking about what seems to be insurmountable challenges or problems or struggles that we face. And we say, you know what? I don't think I can overcome this. I don't think I can conquer this. Um, I don't think I can defeat this giant. I don't know what I'm going to do about this situation that I'm in right now. And so last week we started studying the life of a guy whose name is David. And David finds his nation at war, Israel, with the Philistines. And in the Philistine ranks there is truly a giant, a man whose name was Goliath, who stood towering over nine feet tall. And David volunteers to go fight the giant. Now, he's just a young boy. He's a shepherd's boy, and shepherd boy, and he doesn't have a sword. He has a sling and five stones. And when he stands in front of the giant, this is what David says. This is the Lord's battle. The Lord will conquer you. And that day, the giant was defeated. Now, what's interesting is that in the midst of David fighting this nine-foot-tall giant, there was another giant in his life that he was facing. And this giant is called rejection. And everybody here knows what it is to face the giant of rejection. And so I don't know how we're going to pull it off, but we've got to do it somehow. We've got to figure it out. We've got to make it happen. Before you leave here today, you have got to take this with you, okay? And what I want you to take with you is what I'm about to put on the screen. So maybe you just take out the sermon notes card that you got when you came in and write this down. But you've got to leave here with this. You can't leave without it. It is going to become your life. And I don't want you to walk out the doors without having possession of this, okay? And so this is the truth. My worth and my value are not determined by other people's acceptance or rejection of me. I mean, already, I'm telling you, God is speaking to somebody. Somebody walked in the room this morning needing to hear these words. My worth and my value are not determined by other people's acceptance or rejection of me. Well, if that's not where my value and my worth is found, Pastor Rick, then where is my value and worth is found? And and that would be in who God says I am. I'm telling you, there's somebody here today and you're trying to find your worth and your value in the acceptance of other people. It's not where you're going to find it. You're going to find it in who God says that you are. So I've got to remind you that David has this incredible story. It's, It's like an Abe Lincoln kind of story. You know what I mean? From the log house to the White House... And so David is a shepherd boy. It is the lowliest of all jobs in his culture. And yet he is promoted to one day become the king of the nation of Israel, the people of God. But what you've got to remember is that along the way, along that journey, David dealt with a lot of rejection. And I think we can learn from him today. So you say, really? Yep, really. We're going to talk about rejection today. That's what we're going to talk about. Why are we talking about rejection? Because everybody in the room, without any exceptions, has faced rejection. 
Everybody in the room at some point in your life has struggled with issues like, I don't know, some days I don't feel like I'm good enough. Or I don't feel like I'm smart enough. Or I don't feel like I'm attractive enough. Or maybe I just don't feel enough of whatever it is. I tend to compare myself to others, and I know I shouldn't, but when I do, I feel like I just don't measure up. There are many times in my life, Pastor Rick, when I feel inadequate. There are many times when I feel like I just don't have a lot to offer. And I begin to question my own personal self-worth. And the reason that that conversation plays in our minds is because everybody here has faced the giant of rejection. And you'll face it again. Every morning and every evening, do you remember the story that we read last week? Goliath, he would come out and he would taunt the Israelite army. And day after day, this giant taunts you. You're not good enough. What if you're not smart enough? You're not attractive enough. What if you're just not enough? What if you don't measure up? What if you're not adequate? What if you don't have that much to offer? And the giant taunts you over and over again. So why don't we take about uh, three or four minutes here and talk about social media. Can we do that? So you probably know this already, but um, when you take a device like this and you... uh, use apps, any kind of a social media app, or a lot of things that you do with this device, you realize that often there is a a neurochemical that's released into your brain, and the chemical is called dopamine. You're aware of that? I'm not telling you new stuff, right? So uh, when that chemical is released, uh, you feel good. It's it's called a feel-good drug, basically. And so what happens is um, something happens positive, Chemicals released in your brain, you feel good, and then you want to repeat the behavior because you want the next high, right? Now, some of you are ahead of me. You're smart people. You're already there. You're saying, okay, I think I get it, Rick. What you're trying to say is maybe I go in and I post something on social media and, uh, and, uh, and I get lots of likes and I get lots of comments. And when I do, this drug is released in my brain, this neurochemical dopamine, and all of a sudden I feel good. Exactly. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's what happens when we do that kind of thing. So, what happens if I don't get all the likes? And what happens if I don't get all the comments that I was hoping to get? Then, we begin to deal with experiences of or feelings of rejection. It's, it's the same kind of chemical that um, is released when a person drinks alcohol, or when somebody gambles, or when somebody looks at pornography. And so, it's therefore addictive. That's why people say to you sometimes, Hey, I think you've got a problem. You're looking at your phone way too much. I need you to be present with me. You're with me, but you're not with me. Maybe I should just walk away and text you so we can communicate with each other. So we're in this conversation about rejection, right? What is the opposite of rejection? Acceptance. And I think that conversation goes from acceptance into this conversation of approval, validation. 
So you, you know this story really well. You have a friend, and they're hanging out with this crowd, and you say to your friend, What are you thinking? What are you doing? These people are not good for you. But they accept me. And acceptance is powerful. Or do you say to somebody, why are you dating that guy? Or why are you dating that girl? You could do so much better than you're doing. This person is not good for you. I know. But they accept me. And acceptance is so powerful. And so I'm not saying that everybody does it with this motivation, but sometimes, or maybe even often, we might find ourselves posting something on social media, and what we're really doing is saying, do you accept me? Do you like me? Do you affirm me? Do you see value in me? Do I measure up? And if we get lots of likes and comments, then we feel really good about ourselves. Hey, this is a good day. But if we don't, then we begin to suffer from feelings of rejection. Now, I understand that you're going to walk in the room this morning. You're going to say, okay, you know, I come here on Sundays and and we read out of this book, this ancient book, this book that was written like thousands of years ago. Is this really relevant for my life? Does this book really speak to me about where I'm living today? Because I'm pretty sure that David did not have social media, right? But you've got to remember that while David is facing this giant of a man, he's also facing another giant, and that is the giant of rejection. And I want to share these words with you, okay? His father, Jesse, sends him, David, I want you to go check on your brothers. They're fighting in Saul's army. Take them some food. Come back and tell me how they're doing. And so David shows up. And about the time he shows up, Goliath comes out, taunts the Israelites, And David begins to ask questions. And here's what happens when he asks questions. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men. Now, I just want to stop here, okay, and just say, if your mama named you Eliab, you have no right to put anybody down, okay? You just have no right to put anybody down if your mama named you Eliab. So David's oldest brother, it's important, the oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men. And he was angry, okay? Eliab was. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded, what about those few sheep? You remember it's the lowliest occupation in David's society? And he not only says that you're a shepherd, but you only have a few sheep. You're not very important, David. You don't measure up. You're not adequate, okay? You're not good enough. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. And David says, what have I done now? Can you hear in David's words that this is common? What is it this time, Eliab? What are you mad at me about this time, Eliab? David replied, I was only only asking a question. I think that Eliab's gripe is because of something that happened earlier where David once again experienced rejection. The story goes like this. Saul is the king of Israel. Not only is he not the king that he used to be, in God's eyes, he's not the king anymore. 
And God says to Samuel, his prophet, okay, this prophet of God, Samuel, go to Bethlehem, go to the home of Jesse, one of his sons, I want you to anoint as king. And so, this prophet of God shows up at Jesse's house. Oh my goodness, what is the prophet of God doing at my house? And he says to Jesse, Jesse, would you bring me your sons? And so, do you know who he brings first? The oldest son. Because in that culture, the oldest son was special. The oldest son got the biggest inheritance. The older son had a foot up in life. The older son was promoted. The dad was proud of the oldest son. And Eliab stands, Eliab stands before the prophet of God. And the prophet says, no, it's not him. And then number two son comes. And Samuel says, uh-uh. And number three, and Samuel says, I'm sorry, it's not him. And number four, nope. Five, six, seven. Jesse, are these all your sons? Well, I mean, there is one more, but it's, it's the youngest. It's David, the shepherd boy. He's out in the field with the sheep. I won't sit down until he gets here. And so they send for David. The Hebrew word for youngest is more than just age. It is about rank. David, you're not number one. In fact, you're not number two. Sorry, buddy, you're not even number three. You're not number four. You're not number five. You're not six, seven. David, you are number eight. That's where you rank. And we all understand ranking, right? Because every day of our lives we get ranked. And we rank others. Well, according to what? Size of our waist? Color of our skin? Label in our clothes? Make of our car? Square feet of our house? Diplomas on the wall? But usually, first and foremost, we're ranked on our appearance. The looks God gave us. But not God. Uh-uh. <laughs> God sees something else. God looks at our hearts. Everybody else sees all this other stuff. Not God. Uh-uh, buddy. God sees our hearts. In fact, in the previous chapter, this is what happens. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance. But the Lord, He looks at the heart. Everybody else is looking at this right here, not God. God looks beyond it. He looks right into our hearts. We stand and we sing this morning, we worship. God's not seeing that. You know what He's seeing? The heart. And so you got you to get this, okay? And so David walks in. Young David, okay, this ruddy-faced shepherd boy, all right? He's number eight. He's not one, two, three. He's number eight. All right. Eliab, he's number one. And there stands the prophet of God. 
And he says, David, fall to your knees. And David goes down to his knees. And Samuel takes a horn of oil and he pours the oil of God over David's head and it runs down his face and drips onto the floor and in front of brothers number one, two, three, four through seven, Samuel says, David, you are the king of Israel. And you've got to lean in. David, David's worth and value was not determined by other people's acceptance or rejection of him, but by who God said that he was. Right? His worth and value was not determined by what his father said or what his brother said or what the cultural norms of the day said. Iliab should be number one. But his worth and value is determined by who God said that he was. And God said, David, you are the king of Israel. Now, was he the king of Israel? Well, no, he wasn't any more the king of Israel than I'm the king of Israel. Oh, no. He was the king of Israel. Because God said, David, you are the king of Israel. See, what if your worth and value was not determined by what other people said or thought about you, but by what God said about you. Let me show you. David is finally in front of Saul. I'll go fight for you, Saul. I'll take care of the giant. And you know what Saul says? Don't be ridiculous, David. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. David, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not big enough. You're not enough. And finally, he stands in front of Saul. I mean, in front of Goliath, the giant himself. And even, and even the Goliath makes fun of him. Look at these words. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bare ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Listen to what he says. Am I a dog? Seriously? This is what you got? That you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. And then he said, come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. In other words, you've got to be kidding me. This kid is not adequate. He doesn't measure up. And David said, oh no. God says I measure up. In fact, God says I'm a king. I'll fight this giant. What we most naturally do when we face rejection is we react rather than respond in one of two ways. We either cower back into the darkness because I don't want to do something bold and fail and then I'm living into the opinions of these other people. So I just won't do anything. I'll just... I'm just going to back out of the spotlight. I'm just going to fade away. I'm just going to get into the background if I can. Or we step forward and we say, you know what? I'm going to prove it. And I'm going to win whatever the cost. And I'm going to show these people that I'm good enough. 
But there's another option for the people of God. And that is simply to ask a question. Who does God say I am? He says you are loved. You are His workmanship. You are His child. He says royal blood flows through your veins. He says you are more than a conqueror. And you're going to love this. Because it is the opposite of rejected. He says you are chosen. (laughs) God has chosen you. Nat and I went to see a movie a few months ago. It was called Wonder. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see the movie about the little boy named Augie? A few of you did. Anybody? Anybody on a television? Okay, we got... Augie had had 27 surgeries on his face because of a birth defect. And after 27 surgeries, he was still very malformed. In his words, he said, my face doesn't look ordinary. And so at fifth grade, he's going to go to school for the first time. First time he's physically able to go to school, but he's scared. And you know what he's scared of? A giant. You know what the giant's name is? Rejection. And sure enough, that's what he faces. Because nobody was looking at his heart. They were just looking at his outward appearance. And he comes home, and his heart is broken, and he's crying really hard, and he's trying to tell his dad that he doesn't like his face. And his father gets down on his knees and he takes Augie's shoulders like this and he looks into his face and he said, Augie, I know you don't like it. But I love it because it's my son's face. And I think this morning that that probably... You know, everybody would say, there's some things about me I wish I could change. I mean, if, if I could change some things, I would. I would. I'd get better hair, number one. I would just start right there. And God looks at me and says, I know you don't like it. But I love it. Because it's my son's hair. And God looks at you this morning and says, I know there's some things you don't like, but I love it. Because it's my child's. What if, just dream, just dream for a minute, all right? Just go out on a limb with me for half a minute here. What if we did this? What if we lived from our acceptance and not for it? What if we just approached life tomorrow and said, I am accepted. 
I am chosen. I'm not living for acceptance. I don't have to. I've already been accepted. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, here's what the Word of God says. I love, love, love these words. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. God says, I, I pick you. I want you. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family. And so I'm chosen. And when David goes to fight his giants, he fights from a position of acceptance. And when you go fight your giants, you've got to fight from the position of acceptance. I want to bow your head with me for a minute. So I've been praying this week like I'm going to pray now. Father, I believe in these next few moments that You can do something fresh and new through a different medium than preaching. I believe with all of my heart, Lord, that by the power of Your Holy Spirit, You're going to speak clearly to somebody in this place. And they're going to see their life in a very different way. So, I'm calling out to you, God, right now. I'm begging you. I'm asking you. I'm pleading. Lord, come like you seldom come. And do what you seldom do, Move in a powerful way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.